It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Could adding Cam Newton to the Panthers' front office change their franchise's fortunes? We'll talk about it here on this weekly Wednesday mailbag edition of Locked On Panthers. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, your team every day. That's our motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter at Julian Council, where for the next two Wednesdays, I'll be answering your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions. Then we'll transition back into the weekly Friday mailbag throughout the rest of the offseason. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, then at me or DM me over on Twitter at Julian Council to ask your questions for the next two weekly Wednesday mailbag editions next Wednesday and the Wednesday after before the weekly Friday mailbag is back here on Locked on Panthers. Today's episode of Locked on Panthers is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NFL for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's do it again. The weekly Wednesday mailbag here on Locked On Panthers for. Not one final time. We got next week, then the week after that, then we're back to a Friday, as I mentioned before. And a lot of good questions as the Carolina Panthers are going to host the Green Bay Packers. I bet there's going to be a lot of cheeseheads at Bank of America Stadium on Sunday afternoon for Christmas Eve. But hopefully there'll be some black and blue there in the stands as well as Carolina Panthers try to make it two in a row and win game number three here in the 2023 season. But we're thinking ahead to the offseason and what things are going to look like here in Carolina and how we can avoid this mess again in 2024. Starting off today's show with Fred, who brings up a general manager candidate. Now, Panther fans have already fired Scott Fitter. Scott Fitter has not been fired officially. He still is here in Carolina as of this recording. And as of this show, he's still the Carolina Panthers general manager. But y'all have, of course, already fired Scott Fitter. Fred asks, if Scott Fitter is out after the season, do you think bringing in Former Chargers general manager Tom Telesco would be a good idea. He's good in a draft, which is a weakness in the Panthers organization, and he has built a good roster for the Chargers. I believe he is a proven general manager who had a bunch of who had a bad coach and just got thrown out for the simple reason that LA wants to clean house your thoughts. Hmm, interesting. You know, 
I don't really know what happened in Los Angeles, and it's weird to say that because the Chargers are forgotten in Los Angeles. When you think about the football scene in L.A., it's the USC Trojans, the Rams, I guess the Chargers. Maybe high school football might be ahead of the Chargers. There are no Charger fans. I have one friend who actually is a season ticket holder out there in L.A. God bless his soul. But, man, to be a Chargers fan, it ain't fun. They've had quarterbacks like Fouts. They have had Phillip Rivers. They now have Justin Herbert. They never don't have a quarterback. But for whatever reason, the Chargers just can't stop chargering. So I feel like that's the reason why Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley are out there, out no longer in Los Angeles, because just the whole Chargers of it all. But as far as his candidacy potentially here in Carolina, y'all want to know where Tom Telesco started off his NFL career? If you guess Carolina, you're right. Right here, back between 1995, the inaugural season for the Carolina Panthers, to 1997, he started off his career in the NFL as a scouting assistant for two years for the Panthers, and then one year as an area scout. And he became the youngest general manager. He's only uh, he was 40 years old when he became a GM. He's only 51, so he's still very young as far as GMs go. And really the age of men nowadays, he could come in here and possibly have success for the Carolina Panthers. And he always wanted to build a draft first team where then you go out and fill some of your needs in free agency. The Carolina Panthers that we've seen the last couple of years have tried to use free agency to fill the holes and they have whiffed multiple times when it comes to the draft. Carolina Panthers keep restructuring deal after deal just to go 5-12, and 7-10, and and then maybe who even knows what their record's going to be this season. They keep doing all that every offseason just to end up being a bad football team that does not make the playoffs. The best teams in the NFL hit in the draft, and they go out in free agency, and they go find some of their needs. They're not spending a ton of money in free agency. You saw the Jags did that for decades, it feels like. They would win the offseason in free agency, and then they get back to the season, and they would win two, three, four games tops. That's not what the Carolina Panthers need to do, not what the Carolina Panthers should want to do. So maybe Tom Telesco would make sense, as he is someone who has spent time in Carolina but, of course, the ownership was different back then than what it is now. But I would be curious to see if David Tepper would like to get an experienced general manager, someone who has proven he can build a team and get teams to the playoffs. Um, I don't think they won really any games, but it's better than what we have right now here in Carolina. So that is an interesting question there from Fred. Kevin has another question about the Carolina Panthers front office saying, with Cam Newton saying he wanted to be team president, it got me thinking about what John Lynch has done in San Francisco. Should the Panthers look into bringing a former player like Cam to lead the team building side? Doesn't need to be Cam or even a former Panther, though I think it would help fan base morale. Look this up. Only three of the 32 teams in the NFL have general managers with NFL playing experience. Got Martin Mayhew up in Washington with the Panthers. He's probably on his way out. Got John Lynch there in San Francisco. And Rand Carthon his first year down there with the Tennessee Titans. Only three of 32. That is really interesting when you look at it because a lot of the coaches, it feels like, actually have NFL playing ex- Not a lot, but there's a decent amount. Mike Vrabel up top of my head has NFL playing experience. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's down in Houston. Ron Rivera there in Washington. It's far more prevalent when it comes to being a head coach than it has been as a general manager. Now, Tim, now Cam Newton did not come out and say he wanted to be the GM. He said he wanted to be the team president when he was on Kyle Allen's podcast last week. And I know people are saying, you're kind of late to this. I, I know, but this, there wasn't really anything I needed to say uh, off of what Cam had to say last week. I just found all of his comments to be interesting. 
Um, but as far as him being team president, well, that currently is Christy Coleman's job. So we're going to get rid of Christy Coleman uh, in order to do that. I do credit David Tepper uh, for the diversity that he has in that front office on the business side of things. There's multiple women and multiple um minorities in there uh, as far as people of color who are within some pretty high-ranking roles within the Carolina Panthers organization. So kudos to him for what he's done. I don't know necessarily if Cam is equipped to be the team president. I'm also saying that he's not equipped to be the team president, but I would not hate Cam Newton coming back and playing some sort of role here in Carolina. And one of the things that really stood out to me when he was speaking to Kyle Allen, and I don't even know who the co-host was on that podcast, um, when he was talking to them about just playing to the fan base, he brought up how Steve Smith, that's who we learned from, Steve Smith, and I knew where he was going as soon as he said that. It was like, Steve, every time he got a first down, we just go fist pump, really beat his chest, and got the whole crowd pumped up. Now go back to what Cam Newton would do when he was in Carolina, get a first down, and a little dance that he would do. He turned it into an entire production. I loved it, and the energy was palpable, and that energy has been gone since, well, Cam came back for that Washington game two seasons ago. That culture, he talked about it when he came back to Carolina. He wants to bring the culture back to Carolina. Steve Wilkes was doing that when he was able to turn this team around last year, get them the 500, and right there on the brink of being NFC South champions. I think that David Tepper should at least call the man and see what kind of role potentially could fit for the two of them for Cam to maybe come back here to Carolina to help as you state, Kevin, fan base morale. You bring up a former player or just a player in general being on the team building side of things. You have Dan Morgan as your assistant general manager. We know he was a former player and has experience in Seattle under Scott Fitter, but mainly John Snyder, the GM there. Also in Buffalo under Brandon Bean. And now he's been here for a couple seasons under Scott Fitter here in Carolina. Does he get elevated to the general manager role if they do decide to move off of Scott? I would think that possibly him he's gone maybe Samir Sulman some other guys within the organization are gone does not look like David Tepper wants to make changes and for all the folks that want Scott Fitter are gone and I'm not necessarily in this camp I have mentioned time and time again that not everything that's gone wrong uh, wrong in Carolina is on Scott Fitter yes the roster is not great the draft picks have not been great but I brought up multiple examples how in free agency and in the draft with the collaborative process here in Carolina, you can point to certain individuals being more responsible for those selections and those signings than Scott Fitter. And this is not meant to be a defense, just trying to provide context, which I know people are going to ignore and say, oh, you're just defending Scott Fitter. I mean, maybe a little bit, but it's not supposed to be a defense. I'm just trying to let you know what's actually going on here. So we'll see what happens, but I don't know what's going to change between now on December 20th and then January 8th after the regular season's over. That's going to convince David Tepper that Scott Fitter should be gone because if he felt that way, why not get rid of him a couple weeks ago when David Tepper got rid of Frank Reich, the head coach here in Carolina? And all the reporting has been that Scott Fitter has been given no assurances that he will be back next season. Just kind of interesting, though, when you look at the reporting, it's got Fitter going to David Tepper, talking about Bryce Young's footwork, and that he's still here. Doesn't lead me to believe that he's going to be gone after the season. But if he is, there needs to be some restructuring in that front office, especially some restructuring in particular that could get David Tepper to take a step back and let the real football people 
handle the football side of things here with the Carolina Panthers. So interesting questions there from Fred and from Kevin. More questions here on this weekly Wednesday mailbag edition of Locked on Panthers coming up in just a moment. Price Picks is the most fun you'll have winning up to 25 times your money this football season. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, you can take LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10 and a half combo of three-pointers made plus receptions. Price picks is really easy to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. It's that simple. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types. What make Price picks the number one daily fantasy sports app? Go to pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Let's get back into it. The weekly Wednesday mailbag here on Locked on Panthers. Over now to William, who asked, do you think Brian Burns walks after this season? I don't see them giving the money he wants after a year like this. I know it's not all about stats, but he isn't wowing anybody this year. Okay, William. Uh, Let's get into the stats for the Carolina Panthers as far as rushing the passer this season. The Panthers, according to Pro Football Reference, are 30th in sack percentage. They are last in the NFL in sacks with only 20. They're 30th in quarterback hits, 31st in pressure percentage, and dead last in quarterback hurry percentage. Woof. So in short, the Carolina Panthers... Do not have a pass rush. Now, looking at Brian Burns individually, Brian Burns has six sacks this season, which would be his lowest career total were the season to end today. Uh, Let me let you in on a little secret. The season does not end today. There are still three more games. The lowest total he's ever had in his career came his rookie year where he had seven and a half sacks. So still possible for Brian Burns to match or exceed that total. But I'm hard-pressed to believe that he's going to have double-digit sacks this season. He could. could still happen. But not going to be a pro bowler. I think that's pretty clear. He has 13 tackles for loss as well and 15 quarterback hits. An interesting number when looking at pro football reference as well. He has blitzed a career-high tying 29 times this season with three more games left to go. He had 29 blitzes last year. But he only has two quarterback hurries so far this season. So that's very low considering the amount of times he's been asked to blitz. But he does have 10 quarterback knockdowns which is one off his career high, which had 11 a year ago. Now, looking at the rest of the guys here in Carolina at the outside linebacker position, because, again, context matters, let's look at what they've done so far this season. Etor Grossmanos, who has missed a period of time on IR, only has two and a half sacks, which matches his career high. Marquise Haynes, who also has missed a ton of time on IR, has a grand total of one sack. Then Justin Houston, who the Carolina Panthers signed back in August to be that veteran edge rusher opposite of Brian Burns to help him out, 
Well, he's no longer here in Carolina. As the Panthers had him on IR the last couple of weeks, he also asked for his release because he wants to join a contender and not be here for the next three weeks with a 2-12 and football team. What did Justin Houston do in his illustrious tenure here in Carolina? Well, he only played in seven games, had a half a sack, three tackles for loss, and two quarterback hits, and also he had nine tackles on the season. Now let's think about some of the young guys here in Carolina behind Brian Burns. DJ Johnson, the 25-year-old edge-rushing prospect, and Amari Barno, the the second-year player out of Virginia Tech. How many sacks do those guys have? Zero. So looking at it, the rest of the outside linebacker group combined has four sacks. Brian Burns has six. And this leads me right back to the point I've been making since August. They don't have leverage, man. The Panthers don't have any leverage. You can say, all right, Burns, you haven't wowed us this year. You're not a pro bowler. But look at everybody else. Haynes barely played this season. You barely got anything out of Justin Houston, who barely played this season. Gross Matos missed a ton of time. Hasn't been that impactful as an edge rusher. It's been good setting the edge in the run game. Looked no further than that fourth down stop to start the game on Sunday against Atlanta. DJ Johnson gives you nothing. And the only reason he even played this season is because of the injuries to the aforementioned players before. And Amari Barno is more of a special teamer. So you let Brian Burns walk. What are you going to do? Grossmatos is a free agent. Haynes is a free agent. Houston's no longer here. Johnson's done nothing. Barno's done nothing. And you're going to have a brand new coaching staff. Is the third coaching staff in his third year going to want Amari Barno back here in Carolina? Is the new coaching staff, especially if you get rid of Scott Fitter, going to want DJ Johnson, who is someone that Jero Overo wanted to be here, mentioning the fact that not all these moves are on Scott Fitter. So if Jero Overo's gone, does DJ Johnson make the team next year? At 26, as a project, as an edge rusher, that's where I keep coming back to this, man. Yes, Brian Burns, his best game this season was week one against Atlanta where he had two sacks, came out, just outstanding performance from him. But after that, it's been up and down. It has not been spectacular, especially when you factor in the, the, the guy wanting to get a new contract and the numbers that have been reported and the Panthers wanting to pay him some Max Crosby figure about $22 million. And then ESPN said that Brian Burns wants around 27 mil. And I just keep saying the Panthers really have much leverage. You let go of Brian Burns. We got a couple of guys that are going to be free agents that you're probably not bringing back anyways. And then your young guys have done nothing so far. Oh, well, you know, that's fine. You can always go to the draft. Well, your second round pick, probably the first pick in the second round. Are you spending that on an edge rusher? Are you spending it on a wide receiver? Or are you spending it on an offensive lineman? Are you spending it on a corner? Is it going to be an edge rusher? That's just, we keep talking about Burns. He's not worth the money, but you look at everything else around him. You look at the team as a whole when it comes to pass rushing, and you see that it's all terrible outside of Brian Burns. Now, Frankie Louvu. Respect to him as four and a half sacks this season. He's done an outstanding job having to play off ball and still having the ability to rush the passer. But when you look at it, y'all, it's Burns, and that's basically it when it comes to edge rushers in Carolina. And when that's the circumstance, it leads the team to really have no choice but to give him the money. Now, should he get what he wants? I don't know. But the Carolina Panthers don't have much recourse other than they got to bring back Brian Burns. Are they going to be in on the Bryce Huff sweepstakes? The Jets situation on edge rusher has eight ta- who has eight sacks this season. The Panthers, can they afford him? If they can't afford Burns, I don't know if they're going to be able to afford him or some of these other top edge rushers out there. They're going to have to pay Burns, y'all. They're going to have to pay him. Because if they don't, 
have fun of DJ Johnson, Amari Barno, and whatever old washed-up vet they try to bring in next year who gives you the same production as Justin Houston. They tried it. They drafted younger guys. They've done nothing. They've brought in a veteran. He did nothing. They've had other guys that have been situational dudes that they brought back and kept around, like Haynes. He's done nothing for them. It's Burns, and that's it. They don't have any leverage. All right, over to Jake. Who wonders if this is the Sunday that Bryce Young has his breakout? Asking, do we think this is the week for Bryce Young to truly break out individually? The combination of the momentum from winning and Joe Barry's joke of a defense in Green Bay has me optimistic he can ball out. I know we can't forget that this team is still fundamentally bad. Yes, that is very true. But if there's a defensive coordinator to give a big game to our offense, I think it's Barry. So, Baker Mayfield. Our old friend here in Carolina had a perfect passer rating at Lambeau Field on Sunday in that two-touchdown win for the Buccaneers over the Packers. There are only two quarterbacks in the history of Lambeau Field who have a perfect passer rating, which is a 158.3. Aaron Rodgers, who's going to have a bust in Canton, and Baker Mayfield. Bravo to Baker, by the way. (laughs) That is insane. So they got torched. In short, the Panthers receivers, though, they're not Mike Evans. They're not Chris Godwin. Their offensive line is not that good, and they still have a young rookie quarterback. I don't think Bryce Young is going to go out and have a perfect passer rating, but looking at the Packers' stats overall, the Packers are tied 21st in the league um, yards per play, at 5.4 allowed, uh, 12th in passing yards allowed. They are tied for 19th in the league in net yards per attempt when it comes to passing. Was 6.2, and they are 26 in passer rating allowed at 95.1, which would be the second highest passer rating this season for Bryce Young, eclipsing his current second highest that he has had on Sunday in the win against the Atlanta Falcons. Now, when it comes to pressuring, though, this is where I have my concerns heading into Sunday. The Packers, according to Pro Football Reference, are seventh in pressure percentage, eighth in quarterback knockdown percentage, and sixth in quarterback hurries percentage. It looks like Bryce Young, based off of those stats and what we've seen all season long, is likely to be under duress facing off against the Packers this Sunday. And knowing the season-long trends of his receivers' inability to get open, I'm hard-pressed to believe that this is the game, this is the team where he breaks out. Not to say that he can't, and I'm certainly not saying that. I'm just looking at those stats where – a part of it, like the passing stats, as far as the passing defense for the Packers, looks appetizing. The Panthers' inability to protect versus those numbers, that concerns me when it comes to the Packers' pass rush. My hope is, though, that Bryce Young can build off of the comeback win and the final drive that he had on Sunday against Atlanta. We go back to the Houston game. After that, we thought, okay, here we go. Panthers got some winnable games. Bryce Young can build off of that with some momentum and some confidence. He threw two pick sixes in the next week against Indianapolis. Can he learn from that where he can have a good day and not have a terrible Sunday? Have a good day against Atlanta and go out there, be consistent, build off of that with the game coming up on Sunday against Green Bay. That's what I want to see. That's what I would love to see from Bryce Young. All right, let's take one more pause here on the show, and I'll come back and answer the rest of your weekly Wednesday mailbag questions right here on Locked On Panthers. 
You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you of killer last minute ticket deals, all in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind for your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All in prices show your total upfront so you know when you're getting a great deal without hidden fees. Buy tickets and seconds with just two taps take the guesswork out of buying tickets of game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on nfl for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code locked on nfl that's l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n-n-f-l for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed a few more questions here on this weekly Wednesday mailbag edition of Locked on Panthers. We're going to stick with the topic of Bryce Young. Now over to Russell, who asks, are you more encouraged by Bryce's play in the clutch slash last-minute drives or worried about the lack of touchdowns slash execution in the red zone? Yeah, there's no doubt the Carolina Panthers have one of the bottom 10 red zone offenses in the league. And it is disappointing when you see the fumble forced by Troy Hill on Sunday, the Carolina Panthers, and I understand the weather, but the Panthers weren't able to capitalize and turn that into six. It's also a little disappointing that at the end of the game, they didn't punch it in, but they did what they needed to do. They ran out the clock, got in field goal range, and that's all they needed to win the game. But you would like to see more touchdowns. But so far, that has not been the case, and there's a myriad of reasons why. We talk about the wide receiver play, the play calling, the offensive line struggles, Bryce Young's own inefficiencies. We've been over it time and time and time again. But I'm going to think positive, Russell, which I'm not saying you're not. I, I know you're definitely thinking positive. Bryce Young being able to go down the field not once but twice so far this season to put the Carolina Panthers in field goal position and to run out the clock. It's not like there was only two minutes left. There were six minutes, seven and a half minutes left in those games, and they ran out the clock. Now, what I would like to see is Bryce Young actually have two minutes or maybe like a minute 40 and only have one or two timeouts and have to dink and dunk out to the sideline, maybe cross the middle of the field, get some first downs to put them in position to go win those games. I think that's kind of the natural progression when it comes to these game-winning drives. These have been a little bit more slow and methodical, but I'll take them, especially when I watch Baker Mayfield not do it, Sam Darnold be god-awful against New Orleans. The only time he ever did it, I saw Teddy Bridgewater never do it in the eight opportunities he had. P.J. Walker, to a lesser extent, I guess he did do it against Atlanta, but then D.J. Moore, who literally had never been in that situation, threw his helmet off. You, you don't have to make excuses for him. He doesn't play here anymore. You'd have to make excuses at the point in time either. Whatever the rules are, come on, dude. Everyone knows you don't take your helmet off in those situations. But the emotions of the game, I get it. It happens. It sucks but also you don't have to defend it. So that's really the only time we've seen it. PJ last year with a spectacular throw to DJ, 
and then Sam, who was terrible against Saints last year. But Bryce has done it twice. That's encouraging to me. When you look at everything that's gone wrong, whether it's been Bryce's fault, the coaching staff's fault, the guys around him's fault, it's positive to me and encouraging absolutely, Russell, that Bryce Young in his rookie season has been able to lead two game-winning drives. When we've seen other veterans who were supposed to be these reclamation projects or potentially the future in Carolina, they couldn't do it. So, yeah, I'm encouraged by that, and I'm choosing to be encouraged because there are a lot of things to be discouraged by, but that's something I think, especially after last week, you can cling to as something to hopefully uh, carry on into 2024 and into the future. Now over to Ian, who asked me, how soon after the season should we expect to see a head coach announcement and any other staff changes? Well, the Carolina Panthers' final game is on January 7th. You will not hear anything about a head coach being hired at that point in time. But come January 8th, when they start doing their exit interviews, that's when I would expect to hear all of the staff changes as it is going to be Key Card Monday, also known as Black Monday, across the NFL. That's when you should expect to hear the Thomas Brown, officially no longer here. James Campen, officially no longer here. Sean Jefferson, uh, who else is on the offensive coaching staff? Parks Frazier, all those people, gone. Now, defensively, I don't know if you can expect to hear that just yet. Important, brought this up when Frank Reich was fired and why I found it to be interesting if they want to have the rest of the season about Bryce Young's development why get rid of Frank Reich when, due to the new NFL rules, the Panthers cannot interview in person a head coaching candidate currently employed by another team until after the divisional round of the playoffs. That will be week of January 22nd. So that's probably no Ben Johnson. Um, Eagles have lost a couple games in a row now, but it's probably no Brian Johnson. And Texans and Bobby Slowick probably available by then. Uh, but still, even then, it doesn't matter because he's, he's currently employed. They can't talk to him until the week of January 22nd in person. That would lead me to believe that it's going to be until the end of January, first week of February before the Carolina Panthers could reasonably expect to hire a head coach in the NFL wisely is trying to slow down the hiring process. The focus in January should be playoffs. It should not be who's going to be general manager here, head coach there. It should be the playoffs. Then in February, that's really when it should be a mad dash, and hopefully not a mad dash, but that's when it should be about bringing a new coaching staff and then bringing in potentially a new front office. Then March is free agency. April is the draft. May is when the schedule comes out. You got OTAs also. Like That's how the offseason schedule should be broken up, and I think that's how the NFL will want to do it. And the NFL's pretty smart when it comes to breaking down their calendar. You look at the college game, it's a complete mess. Uh, when the NFL, it's not the case at all. And I do appreciate that they're trying to slow down the process. Like, have these coaches actually focus on the teams they're working for and trying to win a Super Bowl opposed to what their next job's going to be? I just, I'd, I've never really loved that in I don't think it's fair to those coaches. I don't think it's fair uh, to the players and to the fans of those teams and organizations that have had to watch their guys basically get poached in the middle of the season. Now they're not leaving, but also it's got to be it's got to be a difficult balance. So I would not expect any formal head coach candidate to be really named officially as like the head coach here in Carolina until beginning of February. And as far as like the other staff changes, those are coming on January eighth. Now Scott Fitter. I don't know when that's going to come. I would think January 8th would make a lot of sense, maybe later on that week, but it's, it's coming. Key card Monday here in about two and a half weeks. Final question coming from Darren. 
who says, I feel like the Panthers have had so many injuries over the last couple of years, especially at the offensive line and DB positions. Do you think that is just a total fluke and bad luck, or could it be something else like the training staff, strength and conditioning, or even just their artificial turf playing surface? Well, you can look at a couple injuries and probably blame the turf. J.C. Horn, his foot, his rookie year, blame the turf. Uh, you had the rib injury last year. Don't know how you can blame the turf with that. And then he had the friendly fire with Jeremy Chin breaking his wrist. That's just bad luck. Total fluke. Dante Jackson, he's had the turf toe. That's just unfortunate. Same thing. You had the Achilles last year. Maybe you can blame the turf there. But that's just... That's unfortunate. And offensive line injuries, you look at this season, Brady Christensen, what, he tore his bicep? Don't really know how you can describe that anything other than just bad luck. Um, Corbett tore his ACL, then tore his MCL. I, I, maybe you can blame the turf. I don't think that's what the case was. It's unfortunate. I think more so than anything, it's just bad luck. Every team in the NFL has either good injury luck or bad injury luck or so-so injury luck. The Carolina Panthers have had 22 players go on IR this season. They have not only 15, now that Justin Houston's longer in Carolina, but they have 15 guys, including two guys from the practice squad who are on injured reserve with three weeks left in the season. That is not ideal. Looking at it, too, let me, let me pull up my notes here because I had guys who are, just, who are out for the season. Henry Anderson never played this season. Brady Christensen, Shaq Thompson, Austin Corbett, Chandler Zavala, Hayden Hurst, now Just McCray. That's seven guys out for the season when it comes to IR. I, I don't know the injury situations on every team in the NFL, but I know the Bengals haven't had great injury looks so far this season where they have Joe Burrow out for the year. I know Jamar Chase has picked up uh, an injury knock. It's it's unfortunate for the Panthers, unlike college where you have really like a, a pretty defined strength and conditioning staff that's in, in charge of getting your players in shape. The players in the NFL, they're – basically on their own they have to be professionals they got to stay in shape to come back to a conditioning test their first day back from training camp but it's not like they're really working to get back in shape they basically stay in shape all season long now playing shape completely different so I don't know if you can blame strength and conditioning I just think you blame the bad luck and hopefully the injury luck and I would imagine this is typically how it goes you have really bad injury luck one year it's great the next year so the Carolina Panthers Knock on wood, fingers crossed, prayers up, should have amazing injury luck next season in 2024. That's going to wrap up this edition of the Lockdown Panthers podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, hosted by yours truly, Julian Council. Again, y'all, subscribe or follow the show for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where I will be back with you next Wednesday one penultimate time um, for the weekly Wednesday mail bag here on Locked On Panthers. Either at me or DM me to get those questions into me now and or really after the game on Sunday. But in the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole as always. Keep pounding and I'll talk to y'all on Thursday as well have our Locked On NFL crossover Thursday presented by our friends at Price Picks with Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team 
every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.